This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening. Good morning, Shabbos. Um, so I think, I hope that the Torah that we learn should be a schus for those that are fighting at the moment some very, very heavy battles in really the, uh, the strongholds, enemy strongholds. And this is um, people that are really being most nefesh. And there's no question about it that this is a joint effort that whatever physical hishtadlus needs to be done on a battlefield needs to be backed up with ruchniyastike hishtadlus that is done in the hearts and the minds, the mouths of each and every one of us. And we certainly, in as much as we're fighting Yishmael, as I mentioned before, and Yishmael has somewhat of a kayach of tefillah, they also pray to one infinite creator, it's true, they believe in a Navi Sheker, but they're certainly praying to one infinite creator. Then that makes it all the more challenging. But we know, they might have military might, military hardware, prowess. The one thing that we have is, we mention, we call out in the name of Hashem. And that's what I'd like to discuss this evening. That in order to fight the Kayach of Yishmael, one of the things we need to focus on is how we say the Shem Hashem. What we mean by saying the Shem Hashem. What we mean by the fact that we can't say the Shem Hashem in many circumstances. And how it all works. Why? Because it's clearly a major part of davening. When we daven, we mention Hashem's name numerous times. And what that's meant to do is to create some sense of God consciousness for us and awareness of Hashem. And it is certainly not something that we should be saying without thinking. Let me explain what I mean. Everyone has favorite psukim in in the Torah, in Tanakh. I don't know if this is my favorite, but it is definitely up there in the top five. And it's a pasuk right at the end. It's in Divrei Yomim Aleph, Kafches, Kafches, pasuk Tes. And this is I think I mentioned it last time, but it's good to see it inside. This is David Hamelech's last will and testament to his son Shlomo Hamelech. Va'ata Shlomo Bini, now Shlomo my son. Da es know the God of your forefathers. Va'avdehu believe Shalei, and serve him. With a complete heart of a nefesh chafetza and with a desirous soul. Kichal Hashem, because Hashem seeks all hearts. Chol even he understands the, um, the inclinations of a person's uh, thoughts. if you seek him, he'll be found to you. and if you abandon him, He'll let you go forever. First things first, you've got to know. You've got to know there's a Rabbi Nishalaylam. And then you've got to serve him. Our Avedas Hashem, this is clear, our Avedas Hashem is predicated on Yediyas Hashem. It's not even Shaykh to talk about Avedas Hashem, serving Hashem. Without having knowledge of Hashem. That's obvious. In fact, I don't remember if we, if we discussed this. The Yigimel Ikrim. If you look at the Yigimel Ikrim, you can neatly divide them into sections. The first four of the Yigimel Ikrim, all about defining Hashem, what we mean by an infinite creator. He's the Bayre, he's the Manig, he's the Rishon, he's the Achra. Not everything we talk about Hashem is in the first four Ikrim. The last four, potentially five, Ikrim, are all about Schava Einash. What happens at the end? He knows all our thoughts. He rewards us. That's the end game. The middle five of the Yagimel Ikrim are all about how do you make that bridge? How do you make that jump? From knowledge of Hashem to Schava Einash. And it works two ways, because all relationships work both ways. The first one is Tefillah. And they have Nevoah and Tairah. 
We speak to him in one way. He speaks back in two ways. He speaks back to us through our, through our Nevi'im. And Imam Ibn Ben Shleim, which is called Nevi'a Nevi'im, MS. And how much more so the Nevu of Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the Avla Kala Nevi'im. And then after that, all the words of the Torah are true as well. So we speak to Hashem in one way, he communicates back through Nevuah and through Torah. But what you see from there is that Avedas Hashem, which is the fifth Ikka, again, is predicated by four Ikram of Yediyas Hashem. First you've got to know, then you can connect. I think that's obvious. Because you cannot connect to that which you do not know. How can you have a relationship? How can you be in a relationship when you're not even aware of the other party? It's not shaykh. So therefore it's dayas ala First, know the God of your fathers. And then vav deyav shalom. But you know what's really interesting? Pazik says dayas ala Know the God of your father. Why is Hashem referred to here as the God of your father? Now you could say simply because this is David HaMelech passing on his legacy to Shlomo HaMelech. So this is my God and I'm handing it on to you. Certainly true. But remember, if this is a Pasuk in Tanakh, what does that mean? It's also relevant to us for all time. If it wouldn't be relevant to us for all time, it would not need to be in the Bible. Any nevuah that was nechtaval adairus, was it was hutzrachal adairus, needed for all time, that was in. There were millions of nevi'im around. Their nevuahs were not recorded. So a nevuah that is relevant to all time makes it into the book. A nevuah that is not relevant for all time was left out. Which means it's speaking to us as well. Maybe it's saying that we should know Hashem as well as our father Abraham did. Possibly. Possibly. Um, let's have a look and see what the Mepharshim say, because I think it's, it's quite informative and instructive. Look at this. And the truth is that if you look at the Radak and the Mitzvah they, I mean, they, they, they are two polar opposites, perhaps leading us to the same place. I just, I just find this remarkable. Okay, you look at the Radak. And the Redak says as follows. What does mean? You shall know Hashem your God. He's the God of your fathers. Just to, uh, just to recap for those that came in, what we're discussing today is what it means out and what it means to call out in the name of Hashem. Okay, what we're meant to think when we say Hashem's name. Because the way to vanquish Yishmael is Vanachnu B'Shem Elkeinu Nazkir. It's to call out in the name of Hashem. So look at this. David HaMelech has just told his son, Shlomo, Know the God of your father and serve him. Says the Radak, Rely on the Messiah until you figure out for yourself. That means whatever traditions you received from your parents about the MS, it's like stabilizers on a bike. Rely on that, says the Radak, until you're ready to take the stabilizers off and travel by yourself. The Gulabad say, Rely on the received tradition, until you know it for yourself, which is unbelievably empowering. This is meant to be your relationship with Hashem. It's not anyone else's relationship with Hashem. Don't believe me because I say so. Believe me because you know this is true. That's amazing. Know the God of your father. And then, right? First, you do it because he's the God of your father. That's what happens in our formative years. We do Torah and Mitzvahs because we're told we have to. And then we work it out for ourselves. We realize that it's Emerson on our own. And we're able to forge our own independent relationship with the truth. That's the Redak's approach. Mitzvah David has a totally different way of looking at it. Da Know the God of your father. Investigate using your brain, using your intellect. To know him. Try your best to figure it out. To figure out the MS. I, what happens if you can't? What happens if you meet a mental block and you just can't conceive of what infinity could possibly be? I can't. It's doing my head in, as we'd say. 
Try your best to figure it out. If you reach the point where you feel you just can't work it out anymore, do not abandon Hashem just because you can't figure it out. Because he's the God of your fathers. And rely on the Messiah. Because we can trust that our parents told us the truth. It's amazing. Work it out to the best of your abilities. But if you get to the point where you feel you can't work it out anymore, at that point, fall back on the Masora and realize the Vulnagam was pretty clever. If he believed, you should believe. Farosha Yeshiva, have a Munna. Fagdeli Yisrael, have a Munna. And of course, we should too. What's the ideal? Chakar Work it out for yourself. But if you feel you've reached a point where you've reached that mental block, then rely on people that are bigger and better than you. It's two radically different approaches. But what it would seem from both of them, though, is that the Ikka is really, or the Chathchila, is an independent relationship with Hashem. Taking the stabilizers off the bike. Do it yourself. Chakar b'sichlacha. Yidai ma'atzmai. Independent knowledge of knowing, being a hundred percent certain. This lands. It's incredibly empowering. I'm not sure everyone teaches like this. But I didn't make up. It's a redakin of Mitzvah David saying that's what David Amelech told Shlomo Amelech, the wisest of all men. Okay. By the way, it's also amazing, right? Shlomo Amelech was the wisest of all men. If you go with the Mitzvah David in Tikkat even if you don't understand, rely on me. Right, which is really interesting to kind of plug that back in again. Shomelech was the wisest of all men, and was still shy to cut Anyway, a benefish chafit. So, how you meant to serve Hashem? You meant to serve Hashem with love and desire, and not because of fear of punishment. More advice from David Amelech. It is meant to be an enjoyable, pleasurable experience. If, health warning, if Avedis Hashem is not an enjoyable and pleasurable experience, you are doing it wrong. Because last time I checked, it's Rachel Darchinaya. It's meant to be Ma'ava Marat. It's meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to be pleasurable. It's meant to be desirable. It's meant to want this. Kaddish Baruch Hu knows what's inside each and every one of us. He understands what's in your head. He understands what you're thinking. If you seek him out to understand his greatness, his exaltedness, he will be found to you. What does that mean? If you seek him out, he'll be found to you. I think it's so poetically beautiful. He'll open your heart, Ladas, to know Allahabin, to understand. Meaning if you seek out Hashem for real, you'll find him. Whoever mentioned Avram Avinu. Isn't that exactly the point? Why did Hashem choose Avram? Because Avram chose Hashem. If you get to that point, Hashem will open your mind, will open your heart. You'll get there. I'll let you go. It's in our hands. This is the aside of Bechira. He'll abandon us. And that's what we say in Tilim, by the way. Famous idea brought by the Nefshachayim. Hashem tzilchal yadi minecha. Hashem is a shadow at your right hand. The closer you move to your shadow, the closer your shadow moves to you. The closer you move to HaKadosh Baruch, the closer he moves to you. The Ramam says it in the Moran Vuchim straight away. By the way, if a person does not extend themselves in their own Avedis Hashem, if we don't go out of our comfort zone, then Kavyachal Hashem doesn't either. If we kick our foot off the gas, then Hashem also steps back. If we step forward, Hashem steps forward. Same idea. Person can't, according to the Rambam, a person can't expect Hashem Pratis if they're just coasting in their Avedis Hashem. Forget it. Say Hashem Klalis instead. Okay, difference between them is another series of shirim. But understand, we're meant to, in any relationship, you're meant to be extending yourself. In any relationship, you're meant to be investing, giving off self. Okay, we're clear? Yeah? Okay, that's really by way of introduction. Which, again, which means every time you say the Shem Hashem, it's meant to mean something. 
It's meant to mean something. Saying someone's name is an act of intimacy. Calling someone by their first name. What do you do when someone's asleep? You want to wake them up. Well, what do you do? You call them by their name. That's the first thing that a person, you know, that's the first thing that you notice. Is when, uh, you know, someone calls your name. Well, you know, whatever your name is. You know, someone wakes you up. Is it? it's, 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 it's perhaps it's almost our most primal association. One of our most primal associations. Says the tour. And Shulchan Aruch basically says the same thing. So, when we're making brachas, and certainly when we're davening, v'yichavan b'b'chayt this in the fourth source, perish amelas, you're meant to know the words, you're meant to understand what you're saying. Shemayt simipiv. Obazkira Hashem, and when you mention Hashem's name, so what are you meant to think? Perish kriyasa ba'alef dalet, if you'd say the name of alef dalet and yet, loshen adnus, he's a master. Shuadayin hakayim, he's the master of everything. So when you mention, just this simple kavan. So when you mention the shame, Hashem's name with Lashon Adnus, he's the master of everything. So if you're going to say Hashem's name of Yudke Vavke, which of course we don't pronounce, we'll have to see why we don't in a little bit. He was, is, and will be. By the way, with Shimshon for Hash and Bracious, claims that the correct Nikud, the correct uh, punctuation, under the letters Yudke Vavke, some Sidurim don't have anything at all, by the way. They just have Yudke Vavke without any Nikud. Some have the, um, have, have, um, have, have certain letters under them, um, which is basically the vowels of the Shem Adnus under Yudke Vavke. That's quite common. Um, if you look, for example, in... Um, What's it called? Musaf of Rosh There's all different Sirif Hashemis that people have a Machavin on. Where the Bracha of Baruch Hashem, Makadish Yisrael, Rashi Chadashim. There's also different Kavanas of different names of Hashem. You can look up in the Samsidur and have it in. Okay? Um, for the advanced student. But when you say Yudke Vavke, says Rashim Shafal Hash, the correct Nikud for it would be whatever the, if, what it means. What Yudke Vavke means, according to him, is he who brings his existence into being. Okay, we can't say it. Can't say the Hebrew word for it, but it means he who brings existence into being. Uh, or, uh. Okay, if you put the vowels of uh, or eh uh, on Yudkevavke, it means he who brings existence into being. That's poshup shat in the shame havaya. Right, that's what it means. Actually, he who brings existence into being. And Eloikim, Yechavin Shetakif Amit Sashalei Yachelis Belyanim Tachtainim. What we mean in English, we say it's omnipotent. Hashem has all the power. As the Pasuk says, it's the word keil, keil is a strong word. Eloikim means that he's all powerful. Interesting, just by the way, that Eloikim is in the plural. Okay, and it's not a million miles away from the word Elohim, which means other gods or other powers. Okay, there's a difference between Eloikim and Elohim, obviously. Okay, but this, so this is basics. That when you say Hashem's name with Adnus, it means Adayna Kol, you're the master of everything. Yudke Vavke, which we obviously don't pronounce at all, we also use the name, Adna, the name of Adnus. Is Adayna Kol, Hayahoy Vivia. And Elokus is Takif Bala Yechelis Bala Kechaskalab, that Hashem is all powerful. There's nothing else in the world that has any power other than Hashem. And really, says the Torah and Shulchan Aruch, Every single time we say Hashem's name, we went to think this. There are those um, who have a minhag to say every morning a gilui das. They basically say, I'm going to say now that whenever I say Hashem's name for the rest of the day, when I say it, this is what I mean. When I say it, this is what I mean. When I say it, this is what I mean. Right? So some people do that because that way, Whatever bracha they'll say later on, even if they said it without kavana, it can be, to be deemed to be al-das, that declaration from the beginning of the day, which, you know, al-pi works according to some shitters. It doesn't work for the shema, the shema you really have to think about. Other people say not to say that. So running machlekes through myself and Rabbi Sulkin. Okay, he says to say it, I say not to say it. Okay? Um, I think it's just an excuse not to think. 
Right? But I understand where the other position is coming from. At least you're covered, Al Piyalacha, if you make this uh, statement at the beginning of the day. This is what I mean when I say it. I just think, say it and mean it. I'll try my best. Um, okay? So this is, again, this is, this is, this is basic kavanas. When you say the shame Hashem, what are you meant to think? What are you meant to think when you say the shame Hashem? Okay? In case you think I'm making this up and you don't even want to believe the Torah or the Shulchan Aruch, I found unbelievable Rebbeinu B'chai. Rebbeinu B'chai is in the end of uh, Sefer Vayikra when it's talking about the parish of the Mekala. Right? The one that, uh, you know, the, uh, the son of Shlomis Bastivri and the Mitzri who um, was Mekala Les Hashem. It says Rebbeinu B'chai something amazing. Okay? Kimikan is Ba'erlanu. From here, we're going to have something explained to us. Ika Gadl. Apina Tzuma Barachas. I'm going to tell you something phenomenal when it comes to Brachas. And how a person is meant to bless Hashem. Because when the person cursed Hashem, the Makalo, first he said Hashem's name. He said the shame Yudke Vavke. And then he cursed him. So first he said the name of God. And then he said a curse word after the name of Hashem as if to curse that which he's just said. Yeah? Um, that's what the Pasuk says. First he said the name of Hashem, and then he cursed. Straight out from the Pasuk. Okay? And because he cursed Hashem's name, he was Chayav Misa. If that's the way the Mekalel did it, when we who say Hashem's name in the context of a bracha, we have to do it the other way around. When you say Hashem's name, Kishu Mavarachas Hashem, she is by this is three lines down Rabbein Rachai. She is binding Tchila Beliba Beperish Oisius Hashem of Mashahen Myrois. First, think about what the letters of Hashem's name mean and what they indicate. First, line up your thoughts and then open your mouth. Think first, then engage mouth. So first you think about it, and then you say the Shem Hashem. If you do this, okay, if you do this, says Rabbein Machai, V'imze yekabel scharo, mishalim v'yichya chaye ad. If you do this, you will get complete reward and live for eternity. That's pretty good, right? Like we say in Ashrei, I will exalt Hashem, my King, and then I'll bless your name forever. First, says first I'm going to think about you, and then I'm going to bless you. First think, then speak. Important rule in life, by the way. A lot of, issues, a lot of problems in life could be avoided if we think before we speak, rather than speak before we think. A person is not meant to daven straight away. Right, we mentioned this last week. Okay, and in fact, there's a rule. Halacha in Shulchan Aruch. Gemara in Shulchan Aruch. Right, you're not meant to daven right at the back of a shul. You're meant to walk in for the back, first, past the back two rows, come in, settle yourself, and then daven. You dive right at the back, it looks like you've got one foot out the door. Aye, if so, how could the shul ever have a back row? Okay, that's another discussion for a halacha because if it didn't have a back row, then the back row, the next back row will be a back row, and then you'd kind of run out of rows. Okay? But, at least in theory, the halacha is, you go, what it might mean is you don't have to have the, the, the seats shouldn't be right, right jammed at the back. Right, you kind of shear shnei psachim, you go in a little bit to shul, settle yourself, then you daven. Okay? Davenu, we said that last week, and it's, I don't know if you've tried it, I don't know if it worked for you. Trying to daven with a settled mind, right, which was really what we, everything we were speaking about last time. This is taking this to a whole other level now. Because it's not just about davening with a settled mind, you know, getting, sitting down for ashray, ashray yashray. Right, it's not just about using psukid zimra to get into the zone. It's actually settling our mind every time you say the Shem Hashem. Um, yeah. I was trying to settle my mind. Yeah. 
I find it difficult to like remove the thoughts that are just flying through my head. Like, mm-hmm. Trying to sit down in your day, you're so busy running around all day. When you sit down, suddenly all the thoughts of a million Yeah. So how you? Like, do you have any tips? The Nefesh Chaim discusses your issue, okay? That when you stop, suddenly, whew, everything comes in. The answer is you have, to, you have to pick something to focus on. I'm now back to Dab Tashem. Everything else can wait. Right? Who am I speaking to? What do I hope to get out of this experience? You circle your mind by saying, th- you can't not think about things. Right? If I say, don't think of a unicorn, we all think of a unicorn. Right? You can't, there's no such thing as thinking in negatives. And the more you try and fight it, it's really hard. Okay, um, what you can do is if a thought comes to you that shouldn't be there, just let it go. Just let it go. Uh, initial stimuli are almost impossible. Right? There's always a flow of consciousness. Our brain's working the whole time. But the, whether you choose to give a thought credibility, that is within your Bechira. Just let it go. Park it. Later. We'll come back to it. Okay? But the, 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 the vote of settling your mind before you daven is that that shouldn't happen during Davening. Right. Okay, so it's just... <sighs> right, so while saying, even within Davening, um, even within Davening, to think of, just to pause for a second before you say Hashem's name. I was once, spent Shabbos, so it was one of these parishes, I was in the, in the city of Hebron for Shabbos, at the Schus, many, many years ago, so having a Shabbos suitors with a big tzaddik, with uh, Rav Grossman from Migdala Emek. Okay, this is a long time ago. I remember watching him, and every time he said the Shem Hashem, it was like he was just going to an incredibly, incredibly high place, a high and holy place. Every time, it made a big, just watching his eyes as he said, literally every time he said the Shem Hashem, his Kiddush or whatever, it just was just remarkable. Um, uh, 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 I want to say something else? I forgot what I was going to say. One sec. Um, yes. So I had... Um, so I teach a bunch of boys, little but pre bummets of boys, how to be. I'm teaching them how to, to be shliach uh, before when they when they become bummets. So they should learn how to daven from the omelet. So a little chabur with some twelve year old, eleven, twelve year old boys, and I told them, what is the most important thing to do if you're a chazan? What is the most important thing? What do you think? So basically, what's the most important thing to do if you're a chazan? And it's true, by the way. What's the most important thing to do if you're ever speaking in public? Same thing. Or singing. That's pretty important. Okay. That's important. What else? Feel humble. Humble, yeah. Pause. What? Go on, which one? Pause. How? Okay, pause. Excellent. Pause. And what do you do when you pause? Breathe. 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 The most important thing you can ever do when you're either speaking in public, if you're leading, leading the davening, or whatever it might be, is to don't forget to breathe. Because otherwise, <gasps> you're gasping, you can't so you stop and you use the punctuation and you remember to breathe. Allow yourself just to breathe before you say the Shem Hashem. Baruch Atah Hashem. Just breathe, literally just, take, just allow yourself to breathe. And that pause of literally, it's, it can be a fraction of a second. Kadein Yashima. Right, and Hilchas Tia Shofa, sometimes you have to take a little, wait just the amount of time it takes to take a breath. Right, just, just to pause for a minute, take a mini breath before you say the Shem Hashem. Right, no one needs to know. No one needs to know. But you had a mini mind-settling moment before you said the HaKadosh Baruch name. Okay? And let me, let me just explain to you, that it's not, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm, you know, hopefully I'm talking sense. And let me prove it to you. Because the Mishnah Bura. Ah, firstly, one second. One second. Firstly, the Birke Yosef, who's the Chidah. Okay? If you look, just down the second one from the bottom. Um, it tells us a certain Kabbalistic. Kabbalists won't get into that now. But look at the middle, middle of the second line. Fortunate is the portion. Or praiseworthy is the lot of the person who is able to think Every time he says, she says Hashem's name. Mitzvah Gereris Mitzvah. And if you do that, one mitzvah leads to another. Just by the way, how many times do you think, oh, did I make a bracha on that drink? Did I make a bracha on that sweet? Did I make a bracha on that apple? Says the Chidah, if you stop and think before you say the Shem Hashem, you will not have any doubts whether you made a bracha or not. 
because you were in the zone, you were conscious, you were aware. It was a real life experience. It wasn't just the And in fact, look at what the Mishnah Bura says. When you say a bracha, you meant to know what the words mean. As Chazal say in the Gemara Mesechas, brachas taf mem zayin, shalai yizrak ha-bracha mipiv. You're not just meant to throw the bracha out of your mouth. Slow down. So we are in such a rush. We're in such a rush. Take that extra split second. But we're making a bracha. Remember, 100 brachas a day are meant to create 100 points of connection. Right? Not just bashas tefillah, it's like this huge amount of God consciousness of awareness of Hashem, but you're meant to carry that with you throughout the day. Again, little points of light throughout the day. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just to remember Hashem. That's what brachas do. Whatever tefillah is meant to do in a concentrated form at the beginning of the day, brachas are meant to do just throughout your day. And you always have, you know, how, how long can you ever go without making a bracha? Not that long now. I don't know. Right? There's always an opportunity for bracha. So brach, whatever tefillah is meant to do in a very concentrated, focused way, at the beginning of our day, middle of our day, end of our day, brachas are, brachas are the tools that Chazal instituted in order to allow us to achieve a constant state of awareness of Hashem throughout our day. There are other tools as well, but that's a, that's a pretty major one. And says the Mishnah Berurah, don't, don't spit it out. Just like spat out a bracha. No way. Stop. How long does it take? Just take a breath. All you need to do, so you shouldn't throw the bracha out of your mouth, is just take a breath. How long does that take? And no one needs to know. Okay? Says the Sefer Chassidim, when a person washes their hands, or they make a bracha on a piece of fruit, or on a mitzvah, you know, brachas that were very common. Everyone we know, we have known, you know, brachas, we all know our brachas off by heart. Just direct your heart towards your creator. Who's given you this tremendous chassid. He's given you the fruit, he's given you the drink, he's given you the bread, he's given you the water. He's given you the opportunity to do a mitzvah. Engage our minds before we say Hashem's name. Engage our minds before we say a bracha. Because this is what the Navi Yeshaya was screaming about when he says... These people are coming close, but piv of kibduni, with their mouths and with their lips they have honored me. Excuse me. But their hearts are far away from me. It's what we call in English lip service. I think this is where it comes from. Piv of kibduni. We served Hashem with our lips and with our mouths, but our hearts were disconnected from what we were saying. Same thing, you know, when a, when a, when a little child says sorry and doesn't mean it. When you call, we want to, someone wants to convey something really powerful to somebody else, but they don't really mean it. Say it and mean it. This is exactly what the Navi is telling us. Okay? Now, the shame, I want to take it a little bit further. The shame, Yudke Vavke. Even as little kids, when we're learning how to read, right? You're taught very, very early on. When you're reading from a siddha and you encounter the shame, we don't say it. Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that we don't say Hashem's name? What are we meant to feel? Oh. What? We're oh. Feel when you say it. Right, but we don't say it. So, so, let's, so let's discuss that a little bit. Because okay? I think there's something really, really powerful here. The fact that we're not allowed to say Hashem's name you should know there was a certain god who um, wrote in his diaries that he expressed pain on a daily basis. He fe- sorry, he experienced pain on a daily basis from the fact that he was not able to be that he wasn't able to express Hashem's name as it is said. Can you imagine not being able to... You know, you know if... Imagine, imagine the... Uh, the trauma a person would feel of not being able to say the name of a loved one. Not being able to say that. I mean, my wife says she lost her grandfather when she was seven. 
for years afterwards, she couldn't say the word Papa. It was so painful to her. She couldn't say it for years afterwards. It was just too painful. Imagine not being able to say the name of the person that you love. This idea always reminds me of just Meister Shahai on communist Russia. Of, um, you, know, you understand that a, a bris was a criminal act, of crim- a criminal act in communist Russia. You should know also there was a law passed that, um, that every baby in Russia, be they boy, girl, Jewish or non-Jewish, has to stay in hospital for the first 10 days after birth to allow the mother to recuperate. Did you know that? No. Who passed that law? Who pushed for that law? The Yevsektsia. You know the Yevsektsia one? A history lesson. The Jewish section of the Communist Party. Okay, the ones that the, the Jewish communists in the 1920s were the ones who were the most successful in um, creating the shmad that was communist Russia because they knew you want to attack Yiddishkeit, you outlaw Lashnakot, you should deport the rabbis to Siberia, for the Mikvahs to cement, you ban Shkitan, you're done. Right, they, they were the ones that advised the non-Jewish communists how to uproot Torah, the F-sectias. They said, Brismila, make a law on the eighth day. Every, by the eighth day, every child has to be in hospital. So no child in Russia will ever, ever have a bris on the eighth day. So just made this law for everyone. If you want to read the most mind-blowing book ever, it's called To Remain a Jew. Okay? By Rav... What's his name? Rav Yitzchak Zilba. Okay? Unbelievable. Um, I mean, he obviously managed to give his son a bris on the eighth day. Like, no question. Right? But he also would stand on street corners recruiting people from Minyanim as well. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. A man who went to work every single Saturday for 30 years... It was never Machal Shabbos once, not Deiraisa, not Drabana. It's just, it's a, it's a phenomenal book of heroism and Gvur. Okay? Read it. Um, anyway, so, why am I telling you that? Yes, so Brissos in Russia were almost never on the eighth day, and Bichlal, there weren't that many Mayalim around, so you had to wait. If you wanted a Briss, it could take months, weeks or months, till the Mayal came to your village, to your town, your city. It was a very quiet affair. They used to put lit candles in the window. In the middle of the day, that was a covert sign that a bris was happening. People would gather, make the bris, quiet, quiet. Right, so Maisha Shahai, there was such a bris in this teeny tiny communist apartment. And the bris was done, kadas and kadin. What do you do? What happens with a, with a baby after a bris? What do you do with a baby after a bris? Give it to the mother. Right, give it to the mother. The mother nurses the baby. That's a very normal thing. That's a standard, standard practice. It settles the baby. By the way, I had the schuss of being a sandik this, this week at the bris. Um, and someone shared the video of the bris afterwards. And someone noticed that the little Rachanimal's three-year-old brother, while they were giving the name, went over to the table and was playing with the mother's knife. It's kind of crazy. Completely crazy. Anyway, um, that's what happened. He just played this. Anyway, yes, just be careful. Um, anyway, um, that's what happened to me this week. Um, anyway, amazing. Um, so what happened in this story in communist Russia? So the, what's it called? This baby goes, goes to the kitchen, this little tiny communist kitchen, and suddenly there was a thud on the floor. Thud. People come in, what happened? The mother's fainted. Okay, they put water over, they revive her. You know, it can happen. The mother got over-emotional. And they asked her what happened. And this baby was already a few months old. She says, I'll tell you what happened. Why did I just faint? When this baby was born, I knew it would be a real, real challenge for me to give this baby a bris. You know, it's not communist Russia. <laughs> it's an illegal act. Who knows what punishment we could get for doing this? And therefore, there was a part of me that didn't want to do it. But I knew this baby needs to be born a Jew. And therefore I promised myself I would not kiss my child until he's had his bris. This is the first time in three, four months, whatever it was, I allowed myself to kiss my baby. I was overcome with emotion, I just fainted. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's the same thing. The pain of not being able to say Hashem's name. The block in the relationship. Imagine not being able to say the name of the person that you love. So why is it? So very good, we're running out of time, but very quick, it's a Gemara Masechus Pesachim. The Gemara says, the Pesach that you know this on the next page, 
So that's possibly we'll know from Aleinu. The day will come when Hashem will be king over the whole earth. Hashem will be one and his name will be one. What's the obvious problem with that passage? On that day, said the Navi Zechariah, on that day Hashem will be one and his name will be one. What's the obvious question? What's that day? That day is Mashiach coming. What's the obvious question? Ah, oh, very good. Okay, you can, you can give in the, win the Gemara prize. Okay? So the Gemara, does that mean to, on that day Hashem will be one? That means today he's not one. What, there's ten gods today, only then the Mashiach comes? Wow, kind of. So the Gemara like this. This world is very different to the world to come. In this world, well, if you win the lottery, you may you get bad news. We know you say Baruch Dainamis. A loved one passes away, say Baruch Dainamis. That's this world. Whether it's good news or bad news, you're going to say Atayvamitiv. Ushmai Echad, and his name will be one. My Echad, Atuai Idna. Love Shmai Echad, who is God's name, not one, not one at the moment. Amar of This world is different to the world to come. In this world, Hashem's name is written Yud K. It's written with the Yud K Vav K, and it's read Aleph Dalid Nun Yud. Ailam Haba in the world to come Nikri Yud K Vav K Venechta Yud K Vav K. We're going to say it the way it's meant to be pronounced. We're going to say it the way it's written. Savarav Ala Midrashi Pirka. Right, we learn it from a pasuk. Al Malehu Savar La Ailam Ksiv. Then when Moshe Rabbeinu was at the snare, remember what does he ask? What's your name? The Bnei Yisrael are going to want to know your name. What does Hashem say? I will be that which I will be. Zeh Shmi La Ailam. Zeh Shmi La Ailam. What does Zeh Shmi La Ailam mean? This is my name for? Ever. For eternity. But it's written without a vav. What does the word Ailam mean? Ne'elam, concealment. Not just this is my name forever, but it's written without a vav. This is my name for concealment. My name is meant to be concealed. This is my remembrance for all generations. Hashem says, I am not written the way I'm pronounced. I'm written with Yudkei Vavkei V'Nikra Ani Ba'alaf Dalad. I'm written with, I'm read with the Shem Adnas. What does that mean? It means in this world right now, we think that there are opposing forces of good and bad. It looks like there's forces of good in the world, there's forces of evil in the world. Hamas, pretty evil guys. The Eden, good guys. This is a war of good and bad, right and wrong, black and white. That's what it looks like right now. You hear of a tragedy with 1,400 Yidin being killed, and you rightly say, Baruch Dainemes. La'asid lavoi. La'asid lavoi, you would have made a tovah meetup on such a thing. La'asid lavoi. When Mashiach comes, you'll make a tovah meetup on one and a half million Jewish children that were killed in the Holocaust. Right now, you sit on the floor and you cry. La'asid lavoi. It's an unbelievable thing. Right now, it looks like there are independent forces of good and evil in the world. That's what the Pasuk says. We change it in the Bracha. I make peace, I created evil. Meaning, ultimately and fundamentally, there is one source to everything. Hashem Echad, Ushmai Echad. There's no good and bad that are independent of each other. But right now, it looks like there are. Right now, we can't even say Hashem's name. 
Right now, it looks like there are world, it's a world of divergent forces. And therefore, when you hear bad news, it's Diana Amos. When you hear good news, it's Atoiv Amitif. Ultimately, when we have the absolute clarity that will be revealed to us when Mashiach comes, I'll tell you what it's like. I think it's the Chavitz Chaim or the Vilna God. I think it's Chavitz Chaim. It says it's like when Ani Yosef. It's better to be Medrash. All Yosef needs to say when he's revealing himself to his brothers, Ani Yosef. Once he said Ani Yosef, everything else makes sense. That's why there was a famine. That's why we got sent down to Egypt. That's why he asked when the father's still alive. That's why he took Shimon. That's why he took Binyamin. He didn't need to explain anything. All he needed to do was say, Ani Yosef, and the lights got switched on. They understood everything. The Asid Lavai, all Hashem needs to say is Ani Hashem. Say, Taka, six million Yidin. Taka. One and a half million children that were Mesu Bakat Musa. Now, Hashem, I understand why you did it. Right now, we don't understand that. We cannot say Hashem's name because we do not have that clarity of Emunah. Lasted lover, we will. Where's this born out? I think this is amazing. So, Gemara at the end of Masechah's Brachas. Story that you know. Rabbi Akiva is being executed by the Romans. He's 120 years old. What time of day was he being executed? It was the morning just before sunrise. Zman It was time to say the Shema. There was flaying away. There was pulling away at his, combing away at his skin with iron combs. And he was saying the Shema. Amr Ad Khan. Even now. He said to them, My whole life I was worried about this Pasuk. I was caused pain by this Pasuk. You shall love Hashem with all your heart. Even if your soul is being taken away, you should still love Hashem. I thought, When am I going to get a chance to give up my life for Hashem? I love Hashem so much. By the way, the Rambam says your Avas Hashem is meant to be more, more than your love for any human being. Which is simply a love of I cannot live without you. Hashem, I love you so much. Life without you is not worth living. We can live without other human beings, painful though it is. We'll function, we'll manage somehow. Somehow. My love for Hashem has to be so intense. Hashem, life without you is not worth living. Obviously, that's why Avram Avinu is the ultimate lover of Hashem. He's willing to jump into the furnace rather than deny Hashem. Because true love means life without you isn't life. I'd rather be dead than have a life without Hashem. That's some serious nefesh. This is Rabbi Akiva. Now it's going to come to me. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to do it. According to the Talmud Yerushalmi, by the way, he's laughing at that point. Just like he laughed when he saw the Churban Abayas, he was laughing during his execution too because he was so happy about doing the mitzvah. What happens to Rabbi Akiva? And his neshama left his body at the word echad. Fortunate are you, Rabbi Akiva, the Anashama went out of this world on the word Echad. And that is the whole idea. Why? Because Rabbi Akiva understands Hashem Echad. This isn't bad. At that point of clarity, I understand this. I'm from the Rabbi Nishleilam. I'm a Kabbal the Din. I understand this is for the good. This is Hashem Echad. Hashem Echad, Shmai Echad. He reached that end point of realization. And ultimately, that's what really all of Tefillah is all about. Is to deepen our emunah to the point where we realize Hashem Echad. There is one source to everything. We have a direct line with that source. Just by the way, it's true. It's true. Most of the year, we cannot live that way. We cannot live that way. We relate to good as good and evil as evil. Hatayva Meitiv on the good, Diana Emes on the evil. And that's a normal way to live. There's one day a year when we don't do that. When is it? So one day a year when we look a little bit deeper, we lift up the mask. When is that? 
Because it's all really the same. Purim is the one day in the year where you can uh, lift up your glass and say Lachayim to all the terrible things, to all the tragedies. Because ultimately it's all Hashem Echadosh Mayachad. But only on Purim. The rest of you cannot do that. The rest of you is insensitive. Someone sitting shiver, you go sit with them, you go cry with them. You don't say, ah, it's all good, it's all for the good, comes at a time. No, you go and sit and cry. Purim's the one day when we get to this level of Adulay Yadav and Araham and Labarach to understand it's all from one source. The idea of davening is to get us to this one source, and that's what we say at the end of Shabbos, by the way. The climax of Shabbos. Because Shabbos, of course, is, if anyone that davens Nisach Svad, Shabbos is the Rosada Echad. Shabbos is a secret of unity. It's a secret of Hashem Echad, because Shabbos is, of course, Me'ein. So how do we finish off Shabbos? Shabbos Mincha. It's all Echad. You get to this point of total unity of Enad Mavada. So that's what we're meant to get to. The idea that we cannot be Haigas Hashem Ba'isiyasaf. We cannot say the Shem Yud Kevavke. We're not allowed to. All to cause us a sense of, whoa, there's a pain, there's a block in the region, I'm not where I need to be. But at least with the Emunah that we're going to get there one day. An awareness that in this world, evil looks evil and good looks good, and it looks like, it looks like there are opposing forces in the world, but to realize it's really Echad, that, by the way, is the mitzvah timidus of Yichad Hashem, of walking around with a constant awareness of one Hashem. It doesn't just mean I believe in one and not two. I'll tell you a funny story afterwards, okay? Um, it doesn't just mean... You believe in one and not two. It means you realize that everything that happens comes from that one source. That's the mitzvah of Yichad Hashem. And that's what you were meant to get to. And in terms of the Lev Shalem is to come to this awareness of Yichad Hashem, of one Hashem. And davening from that place and being able to pause before we say the Shem Hashem. And coming to that awareness is something which is an incredibly powerful way to daven. It's Hashem. Even if we can't necessarily do it the whole time. It's certainly better to uh, engage our minds before we speak rather than just to outsource our thinking to, uh, to non-thinking. Okay? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.